Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. So, like I said before, this afternoon, the Super Bowl, the big game. It's going to be played in Atlanta, televised throughout the United States. Except if they have Frontier. They, anyway, I don't know. Last year, over 103 million people watched it. And more are planning this year. Are you guys going to watch it? Are you planning to? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Yes and no, so. And we, you know, we like to watch it together. A recent study says that 17% of us are planning to throw a party. And 24% plan to go to a party. Another 5% will go to a bar or restaurant to watch it. And what do we do while we're watching the Super Bowl? Eat food, right? (laughs) And here's some amazing statistics. Last year, we consumed 1.3 billion wings on that day. According to the National Chicken Council... Annual report. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that really a thing? That's, that's more than 166 million pounds. That's a lot of flightless chickens. <laughs> we also consumed 12.5 million pizzas. Almost 105 million pounds of avocados. That's a lot of guacamole. Right? And here's, some, here's what we spent on some other things. Tortilla chips, $224 million. Potato chips, $227 million. And you've got to have dip with that. Dips and spreads, $49 million. Popcorn, $89 million. Deli sandwiches, $58 million. And vegetable trays for the healthy people, right? That's $13 million. <laughs> And we got to have something to wash it all down, right? Soda, $979 million. Bottled water, $348 million. Beer, $1.2 billion. Wine, $594 million. Liquor, $503 million. The amount of food eaten in the U.S. on Super Bowl Sunday is second only to Thanksgiving. As you've heard me say before, entertainment is important to us, and so is food. And doing these things together with friends is just part of the experience, right? Today we're going to read about some people who were offended by the people Peter chose to visit and eat with. So if you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And brethren, when it says brethren, it means all the, the that means Christians in Judea, which were, who were all Jewish, by the way, up to that point. And when he says that the Gentiles also had received the word of God, the word received is a Greek word, dekamai, and that means to receive or to accept or to welcome. In this context, it means believe, to accept as true. 
as we read a couple of weeks ago, some Gentiles in the centurion Cornelius' household had become believers, Christians. Remember that? And the news traveled fast, even when they didn't have cell phones and the internet or television, probably because Jewish Christians were surprised by it. But they shouldn't have been surprised. This was not really a new idea, as we'll see in a little bit. Verse 2, when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. So who are these guys and what are they complaining about? Well, they weren't the apostles or all the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. They were probably some Jewish believers who were especially jealous for the law and insisted that there should be no social interaction between Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles. Excuse me. (laughs) So this was a rule that they had made up for themselves, not a law from the Old Testament. It's true that God had spelled out dietary laws for Jewish people, and Gentiles probably didn't follow the kosher rules. But these Jewish Christians thought of Gentile food as profane and unclean. And anyone in the proximity of it and the house that contained it was profane and unclean by association. Ew. That's my first point. So my first point is usually when God moves, people resist him. And by when I say God moves, I mean God works in a way that surprises us. People tend to resist change even Christians. Change can be difficult and unexpected, an unwelcome surprise. It reminds me of when our daughter was young and my wife would be away. I'd be doing household chores, making lunch or something, and I'd invariably hear that I was doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong, Dad. (laughs) My usual answer was, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm just doing it differently. (laughs) Can any dads relate to that? Yeah. Verse 4, but Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in an orderly sequence. This reminds me of a, of a really useful proverb, Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. He's just going to explain in an orderly sequence. Verse 5, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet, lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. So we've heard this story before, you know, in a few past weeks, in chapter 10, but here the author, Luke, is repeating it because it's really important. The words are slightly different, and even though Peter is saying no to God, like Chuck said, is probably not the best idea, (laughs) remember that he was trying to be obedient to the law. The Old Testament book of Leviticus has a lot to say about what the children of Israel could and could not eat. To make a distinction between the unclean and the clean, and between the edible creature and the creature which is not to be eaten. 
verse 9, but a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. In other words, what God has cleansed stop considering unholy. This happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky. So remember when this happened earlier that what Peter had learned from it in, in Acts 10:34 Peter I'm sorry opening his mouth Peter said I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him he got it Peter got it Back in verse 11, Peter's still explaining. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, and having been sent to me from, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. So when he said these six men, he's talking about the Jewish Christians that had gone along with Peter from Joppa, and they had come with Peter to Jerusalem to be as witnesses. Verse 13, And he reported to us how he had seen the angel. He's talking about uh, Cornelius' house. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So here's something that's a little different from the earlier narrative. And he will speak words, the gospel, by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And so Cornelius' household, it wasn't just his immediate family. It included slaves and attendants and other dependents, as well as the friends and others he had invited to hear Peter's words. And it's not by becoming Jewish that they would be saved, but by believing the gospel. Sounds obvious to us, right? But that's what these guys were worried about that, that Peter was talking to. As Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, or, or non-Jew, or Gentile. Verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did on us at the beginning. So remember what Peter's talking about? This is way back in Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Pentecost. So, verse 16 in Acts 11, And I remembered the word of the Lord. So this is, I'm going to stop in the middle of that sentence, because this is something that can be hard for us, to remember the word of the Lord, right? But, you know, he promises in a lot of places um, that we can, promises of things that we can claim for ourselves. Here's an example. In John 14, 26, um, Jesus is speaking, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So it's not, 
It's, uh, we can get help remembering stuff. And you know, I don't know if you noticed, but one of the ways to memorize is in the song that we sang today, the VBS song. His divine power has given us everything required for life. That's Second Peter 1.3. So if you learned that, you, wow, you might have just learned a piece of scripture. Now remembering, that's a different part, but the Holy Spirit can help you with that. Our part is to read his word, to hide it in our hearts, both by, both by grazing and chewing the cud, as Pastor James was talking about last week, right? So verse 16 again, And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Which is just what Acts 1.5 says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 17, Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also, after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in his way? Stand in God's way. This is Peter's conclusion. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? And he's implicitly asking whether his listeners could stand in God's way and whether any of us can stand in God's way. That's my second point. The Holy Spirit will help us recognize God's plan and become part of it, not stand in His way. We really can't change or defeat or add to God's plans, but we can become part of what He's doing or not. In Daniel 4.35, Nebuchadnezzar had just had his sanity returned to him by God, and so he's praising God. He says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he, God, does according to his will in the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? In Romans 9, verse 20, Paul says, on the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? And so notice also in Peter's conclusion how he takes the focus, makes sure the focus is off of himself and puts it squarely on God. That should just be our standard procedure. Right? It's not about, it's not about me, it's about God. And that's, that's what he was saying too. Verse 18, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. What they were saying was, they're on the team. Romans ten twelve. for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Again, this really shouldn't have been a surprise to these people. The Old Testament talks a lot about God being worshipped by the nations, not only Israel. Here are just a couple places. Way back in Genesis 12, verse 3, God is speaking to Abraham. He says, 
I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the families. It's not just his children, his descendants. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations. His wonderful deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Sounds like a lot of songs we have. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. He was never just the God of Israel. Isaiah 49.6, God says, It is too small a thing that you, Jesus, should be my servant to raise up the to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel, I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. That's my third point. God's plan has always been to offer salvation to everyone on earth. Not just to the Jewish nation, but to everyone on earth. Not just to the ones that already have salvation, but to everyone on earth, even the people that annoy us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This verse that we hear so often is not a cliche. Don't miss the important thing that it's saying. God loves the people of the earth enough to send his Son to die so that we can live with him. But wait, did you notice something surprising in verse 18? But verse eight, the next one is verse 18 again. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God. After hearing Peter's argument, they changed their minds. What, because he was such an eloquent speaker? How are the minds of these men changed so quickly from something they had believed all their lives, that Gentiles were unholy and unclean? It's because they were listening to the Holy Spirit. How can we become convinced of God's truths even when they contradict what we think to be true? Only by listening to and being guided by the Holy Spirit. And how can we even have a reasonable conversation with someone with a view contrary to ours without getting angry and vilifying them or immediately becoming defensive when our beliefs are questioned only by listening to and being guided by the Holy Spirit. I tell you, this seems to be nearly unheard of in our culture today where people across the nation can become incensed by an Edmunds bakery writing, build the wall on a cookie. Hey, did you hear about that? And you know, I'm speaking to myself here as well. 
when someone contradicts me or voices an opinion different than mine, I'm sorely tempted to respond in anger or sarcasm to try to put the infidel in his place. It's pretty much guaranteed to offend the person and shut down real communication between us, isn't it? If the answer in kind, I'm on my way to putting a wedge in the relationship. That's not how God would have me respond. My last point is living our lives by listening to and being guided by the Holy Spirit puts us right in the middle of God's plan. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of His work in our lives, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. In the middle of God's plan, it's the best place to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your plans for us. We thank you for your spirit um, who you've given to us to help us live in the way that honors you. That's what we want to do. We want to honor you with our lives. We want to serve you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.